Our gospel this morning is from Mark chapter 4. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Here ends the reading. Oh, Lord, we pray this morning that you would simply calm the storms of our lives. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. In the first 12 years of my ministry, when I was a pastor of a church near Painesville, Minnesota, and then of a two-point parish just outside of Houston, Texas, I would average seven weddings each year. Now the last 25 years, I've been averaging about one every other year. And uh, I did, however, marry my three sons. I think one of them was here this morning. Maybe he left, didn't want to hear me. But uh, the, uh, and then I did manage to marry my father. Not everyone can say that they married their own dad. Um, but certainly, each of those weddings were unique. Each wedding, each marriage was different because the couples were different. Yet there was something that was common to many of the couples. With most of them, there seemed to be a crescendo of tension leading up until just a few weeks before the wedding. I remember a few days after our first premarital counseling session, and we don't do much of that today maybe, do we? I don't know how much. We still, okay, good, that's good. See, I'm kind of out of the loop there. But I remember after the first premarital counseling session, the bride-to-be called for a private appointment as soon as possible. Now, she was in tears. She told me that she and the man that she was about to marry were fighting now on a daily basis. Until they were engaged, she said, they never had a single fight. I listened to her pain and invited her to stay with her struggles. The wedding was still several months away. The next few meetings, the couple held a lot of tension. But then finally, about three weeks before the wedding, there was an obvious shift. The tension was gone and the delight of their upcoming marriage was evident. What they realized was that they had been testing each other. Now that the commitment was finally made to get married, each wanted to find out if the other really loved them, or if they would be abandoned when their partner was exposed to the raw edges. They wanted to find out if their partner really cared. Sometimes we feel the same way in our relationship to God. 
And that's okay. To fight with God, to wrestle, struggle, question, to demand to know if God really cares, I think is a necessary part of a maturing faith. Like the two-year-old or the adolescent who has to push her parents to the absolute limits, we too push God to find the limits of God's love. We demand answers to our suffering, no matter how sophisticated our theology. Like Job, we ask why in the face of tragedy, as if there is a sane and acceptable reason why. We are angry when we have acted faithfully and did not get the desired results of our actions. God, you must be sleeping. Wake up. Where are you, Lord? Haven't you ever felt like saying that to God in the midst of some crisis? We who are so at home with God, talking with God as though he were a pal, sometimes find ourselves in situations when anxiety and even panic comes, when our true stature and status is brought home to us with fearful realism. We are not God. We are not God's pals, but God's creatures. A few of us here today live a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars away from bankruptcy and financial chaos. All of us live one drunk driver away from physical ruin or a few microbes away from bodily disintegration. I remember a little over two years ago, I just about would not be here. I had MRSA. I was in the hospital for a week, and that was very scary. Even with the talks the week before last between Trump and Kim, we are still a people living always minutes away from nuclear holocaust. We are creatures, but creatures of God. In crisis situations, we creatures didn't don't approach God with calm, but as a child with the bloody knee who cries to mother to make the hurting stop. When God doesn't respond in the way we wish, we say, God, you must be sleeping. When God doesn't snap to attention or leap to our defense, we feel alone and vulnerable as though in an open boat in the midst of a storm. As we mentioned with the children earlier, and as you heard read in our gospel text from Mark, we have Jesus on the Sea of Galilee in a boat with disciples. And other boats were with him. The small flotilla was overtaken by a violent storm, threatening to swamp those boats and all that were in them. But Jesus slept. He slept soundly, his head resting comfortably on a pillow in the stern. Fearing for their lives, they shook him awake and rebuked him. Master, do you not care we, that, that we are perishing? He woke and rebuked the waves and the wind and spoke to the sea, Peace, be still. And the storm was replaced by a great calm. Jesus brought chaos to calm. The first church that heard this gospel from Mark was probably in Rome. It, too, was facing a chaotic situation. Nero was feeding good Christians to the lions and illuminating his garden parties with burning flesh 
the burning flesh of the faithful. Peter had been crucified. Paul, no doubt, beheaded. When Roman Christians read this story of the chaos in the sea and of the sleeping God, who do you imagine that they thought of? Of course, they thought of themselves. Now, 20 centuries later, when we read this story, if we don't think of ourselves and of the peculiar 21st century brand of chaos that we are in, we are not letting the scripture work on us the way perhaps the Spirit wants it to. Today, our congregation, our church, indeed the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, is really not undergoing persecution, except perhaps some sanctuary congregations. However, I believe some religious persecution is going on with the rise of hate groups and racism. It still is hard to compare to what went on at the time of Nero, but to those who were gunned down in the midst of a Bible study or in the midst of worship or whose synagogue and mosque were bombed, death is death and hate is hate. I have the feeling, and maybe you do too, but this is me. I had the feeling our boat is being tossed around by the lack of a moral compass in our country. We are in a sea of moral chaos. Now, I read Pastor Scott's outstanding sermon from last Sunday, where he dove deep into the rough waters of children being torn away, separated from their parents at our borders. Maybe his and other sermons like it coming from voices all over our country has had some effect. An executive order was signed to at least keep parents and children together. But I mean, we were separating even babies from their mothers and putting them into what amounts to baby jails. I can't believe it. This is still very difficult, and much, much work needs to be done. There is yet no clear plan to reunite families already separated. And then what happens after 20 days as migrant children cannot be held in government detention facilities for more than 20 days? There has to be a better way. Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. We've got to put political affiliation aside and get something done. The waters are choppy. It is not smooth sailing right now. Our government could even be facing a constitutional crisis soon. Perhaps it is not an exaggeration to say that we are in a dinghy taking on water. Many of us are acting like nervous fishermen, scanning the horizon for a point of reference and finding none. Our first instinct in any chaotic situation is to try to look outside for help. Look outside the boat, away from the water. Look to money or power or pills or any quick fix to stop the pain or end the anguish. Most of the time, 
There is no quick fix, but hard and difficult work. But at least the disciples in our story had the good sense to look to the one who, though sound asleep, was in the boat with them. Christ is not out there, but in here, right here. He is not, he is in the midst of our difficulties. And he's in the midst of the scary moments of our lives. Even right here, right now, here this morning, he will be feeding us at his holy table. Indeed, he is with us in those decisions for which there does not seem to be a right or a typically Christian answer. He offers us not pat formulas to follow to make things right, but his own presence. He says, you must make decisions on moral, economic, and political issues on the basis of the kind of God you have and know. God is the creator, the God of life. Your God is the redeemer, the God of mercy. I have not gone away, he says, I am with you. I am haunted by the book by the Jewish writer Elie Wiesel called Night, in which he tells of his experiences in a Nazi concentration camp. Some of you have heard this before. He tells of one day when the guards hanged a small boy in the presence of all the inmates. He was hanged as a cruel example to the others for eating more than he should have. Because the boy's body was so light, his death throes were cruelly extended. Wazell remembers that while they stood there and watched him die, he heard from behind him in the crowd an outraged voice. Where is God now? Where is he? Later, Wazell says he heard a voice deep from within himself answer, Where is he? He is here hanging on those gallows. This, my friends, is the message of the incarnation and the crucifixion of Jesus. God has come into the midst of us in Jesus Christ, not only to let us know who he is, but to give us his peace. Christ has assumed our chaos in order to redeem it. Humanity's perennial question is some variation on where are you, God, or are you sleeping? Do you really care? God's eternal answer in the crucified Christ is, here am I in the midst of you. He is in the midst of whatever chaos you are experiencing. He is in the midst of the chaos our country is experiencing and in the midst of our church guiding us on to whatever mission lies before us. God's word to us is the same word addressed to the raging sea. Peace, be still. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.